Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to a victorious edition of uh, Masala PTA Boys and Girls. It's uh, me, Aravind, with my buddy Ravi, both of us Suns fans, just uh, having a great time the day after uh, defeating the defending champs, the Lakers. Uh, Ravi, how are you feeling today? We have done it, Arvind. And I say intentionally, I'm using the word we because we are not, you and I are not normal sports fans. We live and die by our sports teams. And, you know, mm-hmm. that in a lot of ways spells out what passion and interest is in a specific sports franchise, in a specific city. And what we collectively have gone through as a city, you know, from a Phoenix perspective over the last decade has been nothing but just misery and less than mediocrity. So to see right. the team rise up, it was it was very uh, levitating on so many different levels. So really, really excited. Yes, and especially for you and me, I think both of us called Suns and Six. Six, yes. So we were on the dot, though. You know, as fans, probably most of us say our team will win in six anyways. Also, some critics may point out that without the injuries, what would have happened? But I really think if both CP3 and Davis were healthy, right, I think it would have still been six. Uh, Agreed. If that, right? And and if CP was hobbled and uh, KD was healthy, I, I don't know. That changes the equation a little bit. But if... Give me a healthy roster on both sides. I still thought this was a six-game win for uh, Suns. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, and at the at some at some point, one has to go with what exactly happened rather than worrying about what should have or could have or would have happened if, say, for example, if AD was healthy or if LeBron didn't have an ankle issue. Because to me, one and a half of those two would have situations we knew going in lebron's ankle was what it was before the series so nothing worsened in my mind so True. the same prognosticators who were talking about how lebron and ad were defending champions and so on and so forth there was nothing new that happened other than obviously ad's injury but to me that was in a big way counterbalanced by chris paul's injury i mean so exactly right and yeah. and, and in, in a way i felt like uh, you know, it felt a little too much of a convenient excuse being used. Not to say that, you know, a healthy AD wouldn't have made a difference. He did. But again, looking back at the scorecard, you find that in five out of the six games, the Suns were either in the lead uh, or ended up winning. So it's not as if it was a real nerve-wracking series and Suns merely edged the Lakers. Exactly. And, and I think, it's also ironic how the media treats these injuries and the perception, right? They almost pick and choose what to, what is considered big or small. Uh, Chris Paul, the same people who were putting him in like MVP conversation all season long, were suddenly pretending like that's not a big injury. Only the AD thing is a big injury, right? Right. right. To some extent, that is true because the Lakers team sucks outside of those two guys. 
and that is exactly why people like you and me are picking the suns right so you're right ad is a bigger blow to the lakers that's because suns are better it's not because chris paul is less important or whatever like that they probably suns probably have a little bit better depth to take care of it and that is why you put all these guys in a healthy you know situation probably the suns beat them anyways and you know speaking of uh, depth you know i i i felt like campaign was really good throughout the series he got a little tight yesterday i felt like ravi and by the way did you i i don't think i've ever looked at the clock in a basketball game as many times as i did yesterday in the third and fourth quarter because uh, you know i almost feel like it's a curse to have the big lead because as it starts dropping i get so nervous i would rather have them almost be trailing by 5 than up by 25 right because when you're up by 25 18 feels like a crisis and then 13 feels like oh man the game is you know really switching the other way and then god forbid if it drops to single digit and i i think the players unfortunately feel that a little bit too and i felt like campaign and tori craig especially were a little bit lost out there and oh man thank god for uh, chris paul i thought he completely steadied the boat in the fourth quarter and just uh, took us home did did he, I, I think he played the entire fourth quarter right Ravi Actually he came in with about I think 4 minutes uh, he came in 4 minutes in or 3 minutes in and that was uh, so okay. kind of sp- spanning the latter part of the third quarter and early part of the fourth when the lead was cut down to 10 and that coincided when, with both uh, Payne and Booker kind of manning our back uh, you know uh, the uh, the guard position is when things started falling apart a little bit and then to your point i'll address the last comment first which is man chris paul was just amazing in the last 6 to 8 minutes of the fourth quarter and his right. stats do not show that it says whatever 8 points 8 assists or something but basically he had in my mind offensively those three signature plays at the end the jump shot mm-hmm. he made over kcp and those mm-hmm. two drive in and kick out to the two corners for bridges and crowder to hit the threes i thought yeah. that pretty much sealed the game and on all three of those moves i feel he is the only guy on our roster who could have done that because pain was absolutely agree with you i think he was missing point blank layups he let a ball go through his wickets right mm-hmm. and and same with craig craig missed a dunk and then he also lapsed a bit defensively which is unusual for him but to your earlier comment on the shot clock or the game clock yeah. as fans arvin you know i'm one of those who watches suns game standing up i feel like if i sit something <laughs> bad will happen so i watch even a you know a mid november regular season game against stupid oklahoma thunder i watch the that game standing up oh, so really? you can imagine yesterday i i made the cardinal mistake when we went up by 29 i think it was No, not even 29. It was 45 to 18, and LeBron threw a pass into the bleachers. And I'm like, <laughs> he's checked out. The Lakers have no business coming back in. And I sat. And oh, that's wow. Spelled, it's all your fault. It's all my fault. It's spread doom because, the, you know, that 29 or 27 point lead dwindled down to 10 or whatever it is. But that's where I feel, though, that the 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 mental, uh, you know, mind, the mindset of this team is, 
just something I've never seen in any of the Suns teams, Arvind. And I would like to see what you think because we've been fans of that Barkley, KJ era Suns, and then of course the Nash Suns. And right. there have been some excruciating losses. This team, I believe, led the league this year in one-point wins. And to me, mm-hmm. that is a very positive indicator. And if nothing else, the same gumption is what is needed in holding on to a big lead also. When another team is basically playing like their ass is on fire, like the Lakers suddenly started yes, in the yes. third quarter. So, to me, I mean, you know, it was a good test. And glad to say that, I mean, I'm actually happier that we did not win by 40. It mm-hmm. did become a little bit closer. And then again, like champions, we just closed it out. Exactly. That 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 sequence we are talking about with Chris Paul that happened, I think, where it was probably the lowest lead, right? It was either 10 or, uh, you know, it was oscillating between 10 and 13. Right. And then that's when he, he did those things and we ended up again up 17 or something. Correct. We Correct. could all breathe, right? But you are absolutely right. This is great experience. The young guys did have uh, some problems uh, closing them out until you know CP3 came back and that you know campaign has been a blessing this entire series right so I don't want to criticize them too much but that play you're talking about uh, Ravi when the ball went through his wickets that pissed me off that really did right I I, I felt like he's he was so careless at that point when CP3 threw him the ball and it just went through his uh, wickets. And, 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 and by the way, that one, sorry to interrupt you, Arvind, but that, mm-hmm. the way uh, Paul weaved around three defenders, got to the paint, got everyone on him and then slid the ball onto paint, it would have been pretty much the same exact play that, you know, that where Crowder hit a three and Bridges hit a three. Right. That would have been another open corner three for him. Right. Exactly. And and he has been making a lot of those, right? So right. that was luckily didn't hurt them. But to your point about toughness and, uh, you know, the response that they had, I think it really comes, Ravi, from CP3 and Booker. Booker is nails, right? For his age, for somebody who is in his first playoffs, I can totally see him uh, be this veteran leader, right? I don't know where he even got it. And to be frank with you, he has looked like that for a couple of years, right? It's just that nobody saw him because he was never in the playoffs. The guy has put in his time. He has had this experience of carrying this team for better or for worse, right? Maybe he ended up losing a lot of games, but it doesn't matter, right? The ball was always in his hands. He had to do something. Uh, And all of that reps has gotten him to a point where I don't think he's scared at all. I don't think he's scared. He knows his role. He knows he needs to get the job done. And, of course, you put him next to CP3. That is, I think, an elite, elite seasoned backcourt, even though Booker, by resume, is not that seasoned, right? You, yeah. Just, I don't think he gets scared. I don't think he has any big uh, lack of... Uh, you know, oh, what do what do I do now, right? I never get the feeling with Booker that he's like confused and he, he's trying to figure out, hey, what do I do now? Hey, um, it, you know, it's interesting you say that because to me, the only point in time where I where I thought ever that Booker looks slightly confused mm-hmm. is towards the latter part of the regular season. Remember that se- that that 
that streak of games where they lost to Golden State and then they ended up losing to the Lakers. There were two or three games, right. I think we had a pod right after as well, where he was kind of not shooting the ball well. And Monty spoke to him after, or Monty said he spoke to him after and told him that, look, the first shot you get, you need to take it. Don't wait around to see if there is a better option. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that clicked with him again, or when he you know, reset himself to thinking of himself as being the quote-unquote offensive leader of the team, I think he's been nails again. And yesterday was a prime example. That first quarter where... You know, wow. I know yeah. stats show that he had he hit six of six uh, three pointers. The best part about it was, unlike say Michael Porter in the previous uh, uh, game, the shots were not being set for Booker. He was setting it for himself. Like basically, he, he would one dribble, get open, take a three. He in fact stepped back from Davis and just right. launched one in his face. And so right. it wasn't as if he was standing, you know, spot up standing in corner and people are feeding him the ball for threes. He was basically creating his own shot and nailing them. Yes. Some of those were very difficult shots, by the way. He's just, he was just on. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. speaking and of I being on... Yeah? Speaking of being on, I mean, I in fact was chuckling. I mentioned it on my Twitter feed also. I'm okay on in any of the first few games of the next series for Jay Crowder to go two of 25 as long as he has one of these games where he goes <laughs> because that's the kind of player he's always been right and you yes. and I spoke about that it was right. good that it happened in game 6 of the series where i it was just i was like laughing because that guy his threes were basically touching nothing but the bottom of the net yes and he hit the when he hit the first one i'm sure all the suns fans were like uh, wow, <laughs> it's going yeah. to be a good day. I think he was six of nine, and those are the only nine shots he took in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, it's fascinating. They needed it, right? And even though the final score feels like it's a blowout or near blowout, but I think uh, they needed him in the first quarter uh, at the beginning, and then they needed him at crucial points as well. So, all in all, Ravi, it's a great. Obviously, a great uh, win. And now that the Lakers are out of the way already, we don't have to hear about how they are the favorites. And, you know, that... I think Suns, quite frankly, did you see the latest odds? They're gone Four... up from like plus 6,000 to plus 800 or something. I think they're still a little underrated, actually. I, I think so. And, uh, and we said this right before the playoffs started. And we were at that time talking about it almost in... Uh... Uh, you know, in sadness that it's unfortunate they they faced off against the Lakers in the first round because, to my mind, the winner of this series was the Western Conference's representative for the finals, and I still feel that. I genuinely now feel that. I think yeah, the series ground a lot out of them from a defensive standpoint, and right. I think it's only going to make them better against uh, Denver and you know whoever else they face after that. Let's talk about that. So, basically, yeah, now Denver also sealed the deal yesterday and they're going to meet them. I I know what you're going to say and I think I would say the same thing. I think I don't, I have, maybe I'm being arrogant here, but I'm not afraid of Denver at all, despite Jokic's brilliance. It will probably go six, but I'm I'm going to pick uh, Suns and six. What do you, where do you stand on that? So, for uh, I would love for it to be Suns and six. I actually am... Thinking Suns in five, I and, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I said Suns in six versus the Lakers, and uh, obviously, I said as a biased fan, I would say Suns sweep. 
this case i'm not even saying it as a biased passionate fan i don't see them losing two games to denver yeah so they they remember they played some amazing ot games against them correct I, correct and i i think i don't remember the details but they were fairly close to each other like within 10 days of each other or something and both were amazing games actually if i'm not wrong they were back to back in it was one of those because of still oh, the right. covid it, they were back to back you were right in, and in fact back to back and i am not sure if they were they were literally on consecutive days or with a day in between irrespective of it it was back to back i think it was on consecutive days now that you say that i, I remember that i yeah. i actually think just out of respect for the mvp jokic i'm going to say 6 but here's a exercise for you ravi uh i'm i'm going to go first because i'm springing a surprise on you Sure. But basically, there are nine teams left, right? There's really only one spot on the West still hanging in in balance. Everything else, six teams, seven teams are in, and then there is like uh, Clippers and Dallas for uh, fighting for the nine, right? I want us to rank the favorites for a title, right? From both conferences, it's nine teams. Let's split them into just uh, uh, let's do. top 5 because i do think there is a, a tier here and a bottom 4 right i will start with the bottom 4 okay and i want to see how uh, we rank them uh, from a championship uh, contention i would say the ninth is uh, uh, atlanta hawks i actually think they are pretty good they are underrated too but still out of respect to uh, luka I think Luca makes Dallas slightly higher, so I would put Dallas at eight. I mean, uh, eight, right? Yeah, am I counting right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, to me, seven would be uh, uh, Denver, right? Um, I rank them slightly higher than uh, Dallas because of Jokic again. as well as i think they are a little bit more versatile offensively right um six ahead of denver i would put uh clippers clippers i think are have been slightly underrated the entire season now i i wouldn't they probably are going to get bounced by dallas but at least until that happens uh, if they progress right i think they are a bigger threat given their experience and defensive versatility and all of that right so even though i'm i'm probably contradicting myself a little bit here even though i think they're going to lose to dallas some of that is match up too right right if right. they go further down with the confidence of having survived dallas and all of that they and you know lakers not being in their way they i wouldn't be surprised if they turn it around and get better a little bit through the playoffs uh plus their experience their talent to me means something still even as they are staring at elimination so that would be my bottom four right uh 6 uh clippers 7 denver 8 dallas 9 uh atlanta what's what's your bottom four out of who's remaining Okay and so I will ask you a question because that will clarify this for me are we assuming Embiid is back for the Atlanta series or not 
Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I you can assume whatever you want, right? Because neither of us know what it is. I am assuming we get a kind of a compromised Embiid at some point in that series. So you will play. Uh, think of it as maybe LeBron this uh, this playoffs or Steph in the later part of the 2016. That's what I have in mind for it. Okay. Embiid. Okay. And I still put him in them in the top five, right? We will get to that, but. Yeah, he will play, but not hundred percent. Is my assumption. I see. Okay, okay. So, so, uh, so, given given that assumption, and the second question I was going to ask you is: now we are talking about just ranking these nine teams in order of obviously winability or strength versus how they would compare to the Suns, right? I mean, or rather, how they would be as adversaries to the Suns, right? Is am I am I right? No, 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 no. Just Forget the Suns. Rank all nine teams. Okay, who do you think is going to win? Right now that the Lakers are out. Yeah. Uh, so got it. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I agree with you on number nine. I think Atlanta is the, in my mind, the weakest of the nine teams remaining. Now, having said this, the reason for my Embiid question was, I feel if Embiid is either unavailable or significantly compromised for the majority of the series, I, mm-hmm. I am fifty-one forty-nine on Atlanta beating the Sixers. Oh, so, nice. okay. so that and so that's the irony, and that's why I wanted to clarify that. But assuming Embiid is in some way, shape, or form available, at least for the partial, you know, remainder of the Atlanta series, I would say Atlanta is, in my mind, the weakest. I actually think Denver is next, or next as in the eighth mm-hmm. uh, above Atlanta. I love Jokic and everything he does for the team, but. You know, I'm drawing a point of comparison between Denver as it is constructed right now versus the team that was in the bubble and caused a lot of ripple, as well as the team earlier in the season. And the big difference, obviously, for everyone to talk about is no Jamal Murray, right? That's obvious. Right. He was, and during the bubble, especially, he was just crazy amazing. So he's not there. On top yeah. of which. Funnily enough, yesterday I was looking at the highlights of the Suns-Denver uh, overtime games, those two games we spoke about. And in those games, a major bench unit uh, roster for Denver was Will Barton, PJ Dozier, and uh, I forget the third guy's name. And all three of them are not available now. My point yes, being yes. overall that Denver is a significantly, as a team, it's a severely compromised roster, which has, in my mind, been riding on yes porter has come on but it is riding on nikola jokic but i don't think that working anymore so to me they are the eighth among the nine teams and then dallas and clippers flip mm-hmm. a coin arvind i mean both of these teams uh, to me have shown you know I, i i i think either of them will get eaten up by utah in the next round i'm hoping one of them whichever one qualifies beats utah so that you know that's why i was asking you about whether you're talking about it as what do i want as a suns fan but i think dallas and clippers would be 7 and 6 i place dallas above clippers just because of luka that man is crazy so yes. those would be my lowest four teams dallas clippers denver and uh, atl okay cool this is good we we have some difference of opinion so you are 6 7 8 is dallas clippers denver and atl minus Clippers, Denver, Dallas, and ATL. Yeah. Uh, so we at least have the same four teams. Okay. So then the top five, right? This is where it gets interesting. 
Uh, obviously, the East is doing well right this year. So, what I would say is, with assuming a compromised uh, uh, bid, to to me they are at five. I'm with you. Right, with you and yeah. and uh, so then what we are left with is the two big guys on both conferences, right? Utah. Phoenix on the West and Nets, Brooklyn on the East. I do think, at least on paper, it's 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 all pretty close. But I think the East, for probably the first time in many years, might get the top of the billing here, right? So to me, uh, I'm more scared of Utah, obviously, than Denver from a Suns perspective. So Utah Suns is probably going to be a coin flip, especially given Utah has, uh, you know, home court and all of that. Similarly, Nets, uh, Bucks is probably going to be a coin flip. So I'm going to say five Philly, four Utah, three Suns, and then, you know, pick your uh, favorite between the Nets and the Bucks, right? Uh, some days I wake up and think it's the Bucks. Sometimes I think it's the Nets. So just from my heart, I would say three, two Nets and one Bucks. So that's okay. my, actually, the way I look at it. To me, the topmost threat, even if Suns were to come out of the West, is probably the Bucks. So Bucks one, Nets two. Uh, Suns three, Utah four, Philly five, and Nets and Bucks are too close to me actually to call, and Utah and Suns I'm also pretty uh, uh, you know pretty uh, respectful of Utah's chances against the Suns as well. That's going to be pretty tight as well. That's where I stand. How about you? So I think we are both on the same page as far as five and four. To me, Sixers are five, especially uh, with a compromised uh, Embiid. Uh, mm-hmm. Utah, to, Utah to me is four. And again, you know, part of me is just because I want the Suns to be above Utah. But also, they seem to be a team which is, you know, they're a crazy team. So if their threes are going in, they look unbeatable. They could beat any team. And days like game one against Memphis, they looked very mortal. So to me, you know, especially now we are talking about literally the cream of the crop, Utah doesn't fall into one of the top three in my mind. I feel the Suns would be the second best team after the Brooklyn Nets. Bucks, I'm putting as number three. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that it is Nets or Bucks. It's a coin flip. In fact, what's interesting is they play each other next. So only one of them will come out for sure, the true. Eastern Conference Finals. But, uh, you know, my partial biased opinion here is also having watched that regular season game that the Suns played against the Bucks, and in both of the games I felt like they took care of Giannis and I don't know why or how or whether any of it is replicable uh, but mm-hmm. to me the Bucks seem like an easier deal you know team to deal with the Nets on the other hand I mean Arvind I don't know what your <laughs> thoughts are but just watching them against Boston and I know Boston as a team was very weak but it felt like it was the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters, right? I mean, it felt yeah, like it's scary. It is scary. So yeah. I'm, you know, so that way I've put Nets above all other teams. Slight personal bias puts for me puts the Suns above the Bucks, and then Bucks, Utah, and Sixers. 
Okay, cool. You know, you know what's funny? Speaking of the Bucks, it, during the lean years, right? The last couple of years, I think some of the Suns' few, one of the Suns' few impressive wins have been against the Bucks. For some against reason, I remember that. That's right. Right? I think Booker that's hit right. a game winner or something. Once. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's, maybe that's... that luck will carry on. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. But basically, they were in one long nightmare before the bubble, right? Since the bubble has been good living. Uh, and I remember they had some impressive win, at least one against the Bucks for sure, on the road, I think. And they might have had another one too. Agreed. Uh, and you know, the more uh, generic uh, point that bubbles up from this conversation we just had is, as a Suns fan, I'm not worried or I'm not scared of teams that play no defense. And for what it's worth, I feel all Western Conference teams that are remaining, Lakers being an exception, Lakers are really good on defense in, in, you know, from, a systeming, from a system perspective. Right, I right. think the whole Denver-Portland series, while it was fun to watch, did not scare me at all about what the Suns are going to do. Exactly. And same with Utah and Memphis. Whereas... Bucks play really solid defense. I think Philadelphia sound nets that way. I again, I think they don't play any defense, but in their case, they don't need to. I mean, right, in their case, they don't need to. The Denver Portland is not just they're not scary. Their defenses are actually pretty putrid. Putrid, uh, right? Yeah, they're really bad. So I have, I think Suns should handle them because Suns are pretty decent defensively. So they're not going to do you know, whatever Portland did or did not do against uh, Denver. And then on the offensive side, Denver will just, there's no comparison between Denver and Lakers. Even a Laker team, when LeBron and AD is on the bench, they they play solid defense, actually. Defense, yeah. Yeah. yeah much as we would want to criticize and troll and... Uh make fun of people like Caruso and uh, Wesley Matthews and they, they, their defensive sets are really good. It feels like you're getting strangled on offense. Right, right. By the way, I just looked up this, uh, yeah, it was a back-to-back on consecutive days, Jan 22nd and 23rd and Suns actually, uh, you know, lost both, I think, at home. They lost both in overtime. And- yes, and again, if you look at it, Arvind, the constitution of the two teams, right? Again, both teams have evolved and gotten a lot better than that time, I'm sure. But right. I feel very strongly that Denver is missing a few of their pairs. And by the way, a small, hopefully significant difference is the Suns picked up Tory Craig after that. And Tory Craig was a key piece to the Denver yes. playoff <laughs> run last bubble. So, you know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, inside knowledge of either ex-players or coaches. So, to me, that that is, a, in its own way, a partial advantage for us. Right, right. And not to digress, they've done a fantastic job of drafting and developing uh, young players, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Right? They've basically, they're letting all these guys go because they can't keep them. They can't afford to keep all of them. And yeah, Look at true. them surviving Jamal Murray and Will Barton not being there. Amazing. Amazing. And actually beating Lillard and CJ McCollum and Norman Powell and that backcourt is just amazing because they Monte Morris. I love that guy. He is. He's, he's the one I'm scared of, by the way, among all right? of their players. Exactly, yeah. and then and then you got you know they let go of 
can you imagine that Will Barton is hurt, Jamal Murray is hurt. They traded away Gary Harris. Last year, they traded away Malik Beasley. Wow. So, and Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant was And they let go of Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig, right? So they are so deep and they have so much talent. Anyway, it should be a fun series, but I think Suns uh, do well. It starts on Monday, right? It is It is Monday, 7 p.m. Pacific. Cool. Uh, By the way, before we, before we move uh, on, uh, just one trivial tidbit that came to mind. Uh, was it a couple of years ago when Denver basically had both Nurkic and Jokic and had made both of them available for as trade bait and Jokic was coming off the bench, Nurkic was the starter and the Trailblazers decided to trade for Nurkic versus Jokic. Is that true? I, uh, I've i never heard that, Ravi. I always assumed they knew uh, what they had in Jokic and traded. Uh, the only thing available was Nurkic. So the relative values were different as in what they were seeking, but oh, okay. for, for good value, a, t- a team could have had either of them. Okay. Because the point being that they they felt they could not keep or they did not need to keep both of them. But I'm just thinking this series, if nothing else, proved how things change, right? I mean, this is crazy to think about. Right. I mean, Nurkic was a low, I mean, Jokic was a low second round pick himself, right? It's just yeah. an amazing story. Indeed. And same thing with Monte Morris and all of that. That franchise has done really well. But I... Um, I thought by the time they were ready to trade one of them, Jokic has kind of started separating himself. Not that he was MVP caliber, but uh, you may be right because that's similar to what the uh, Warriors' lore is, right? Where they made both Curry and uh, Montel is available for Bogut. And the story goes, uh, Milwaukee chose uh, Ellis. Uh, even though the Warriors deny that, but who knows what's the truth is. But the rumor is they had bo- either of them available for Bovet. That is, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, cool. So, that's all I have. Uh, I'm really excited. We'll. Uh, I hope we will uh, have more, you know, good vibes to talk about once the Denver series start rolling. Um, Absolutely, Arvind. But before we, uh, you know, say bye, I did want to ask if you wanted to spend a minute talking about uh, the LeBron melodrama yesterday. Uh, did yes. you catch the last three minutes? I mean, in fact, there is a very interesting video of how he literally quit on his team in the last three minutes of the game. Did you catch that? Oh, actually, I, I was going to talk to you about it. I, I Tell me more about that video. I didn't see that one. The one I wanted to mention, Ravi... Was did you see the one where uh, uh, Crowder is doing a salsa and uh, <laughs> CP3 is like doing that post-up move that they were uh, mocking uh, Crowder with in game two? I think uh, yes. LeBron yes. was posting up, and then Drummond and everybody on the bench were you know posting up with him and making fun of. Crowder and whatnot, right? So aesthetic CP3 did that actually. I loved it, and then I Crowder was salsaing. I loved that entire sequence where I liked the fact that Booker had words for Marquise Morris and Schroeder and got got a technical. I mean, because again, at that point, I think it is totally fair to start chirping. You know, when you know that the series is done, where you've been the star player, especially right. against these. I mean, there are some players in the league that I absolutely despise, Marquise Morris being one of them. So Booker doing that, followed by 
uh, Crowder doing the salsa and Chris Paul mocking Drummond and LeBron. And then also, if you notice, when Crowder got the eject, got got ejected, he literally sprinted all the way back yes. to the locker. Yes, he did. <laughs> He's a funny he dude. But what I'm talking about is actually during the game, and there is this um, YouTuber called Scout with Brian. He has put in yeah. this. He has he's done a really good edited uh, summary of uh, a three-minute portion in the in the latter phases of the fourth quarter yesterday, where LeBron basically literally, I mean, and it's not even one of those that is up for debate. He's shown it possession by possession how LeBron quit. So, like, there was one where Cam Johnson stole the ball from him, and yeah. Mikael Bridges takes the ball to the other end, and someone gets a layup. I think Booker got a layup or something. The following position, LeBron actually, uh, or someone, uh, Wesley Matthews shoots a three, misses it. LeBron gets the rebound and gets blocked by Crowder. Suns with the ball go to the other end of the floor. LeBron waits until 10 seconds left on the shot clock of the offensive rebound. So it wasn't after the first shot. So wow. the Suns take, take 20 seconds to shoot, miss it, get the ball back. Exhaust six more seconds and then LeBron shows up to, to play defense. It is, oh, wow. I mean, uh, uh, if you have not seen it, do check out. It's called LeBron James quits on the Lakers with three minutes left. You know, yeah. then, the reason I wanted to bring that up, and I'm sure this is a topic for a much longer convo, but to me, that's what differentiates him from not even an MJ, but even a Kobe. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Kobe's active years. I used to hate that guy, but a big reason for that was the guy just wouldn't give up. Uh, right. And to me, for what it's worth, those three minutes really showed to me that you know I feel even stronger about it now. Yeah, definitely. That's an arc against him. He quits, and usually, I was joking with somebody that usually that is followed by him leaving town in the off season. <laughs> but that's not going to happen in this case. I think he stays. But one, we can probably wrap up with this thought, Ravi. What, where do you think uh, the Lakers are? Uh, you know, obviously he was hurt as well. Now you probably noticed that he took himself out two or three times as well. Yes, right. Yes, yes. So he's clearly out of shape. Probably not in game shape. I shouldn't say out of shape. He's pretty much in shape all the time. So, there is the health part of this. He's going to be healthy come November or whenever the season starts, October. But there's the age part of it too, right? Is he aging or hurting or both? Uh, I think the answer is both. I feel like where they are, Ravi, is I think AD has to carry them more and more, right? Starting next season. Uh, LeBron, you could argue that even last year, we just hype him and we just focus on him 24-7. But really, without AD, they're not winning the championship, right? 100%. So, yeah. it's going to be even more load on AD. The question, Ravi, then becomes, can he carry that? Uh, that guy is injury prone. That guy is, just keeps falling down all the time. I, I don't have a f- feel for him yet. On certain days, he looks like he's better than Tim Duncan. And on other days, he's just completely disappearing. I don't have a feel for it. But for from a Lakers perspective, not that you and I care about them, but essentially it's going to be his team, I think, starting next year, even next year. And LeBron will be awesome, but he's not winning as the 1A. 
I I I think you said everything that I felt about the Lakers and you know it is interesting that we are talking about the Lakers and their future right after talking about how well say for example the Denver Nuggets and their management has kind of nurtured ingrown talent and to me that's the biggest difference here that even a fully fit AD with an aging less than stellar LeBron you would you would you would bank on them at least to be a contender if they had a solid organic supporting cast right instead what they have done over the past few years is let go of uh, uh, ball and uh, brandon ingram and julius randle and held on to kyle kuzma for example so i think they are the exact antithesis of a denver nuggets organization as they a result are. of which they are left with an aging superstar yeah a superstar who can rarely ever stay fit and a bunch of guys who wouldn't make the 12th man on any other good team yeah i mean they are super lucky they won the championship last year right uh, a championship actually justifies a, a, a lot of things right most Correct. of us would give you know we would sign up for a dozen horrible non playoff seasons for one championship right that's a trade off most fans will do even though we may sit there and complain through those 12 years uh if they had not won the championship just think about that last year i think that trade would look worse and worse and worse right because all of those players are are morphing into something right like brandon ingram has already been an all star and lonzo ball is decent uh even before that if you remember they are the ones who let go of julius randle right yeah exactly and randle so, is an all yeah exactly so they, they, they are they, they are not in a great situation but that championship of course makes all of it worthwhile for them uh but i don't know if they are in they would at least not be picked for a championship next year now these two guys are healthy of course they will have a shot uh but we shall see what they do and of course there's always the off season right what what kind of moves they can do they don't have a whole lot of flexibility ravi but you never know with uh, big market teams exactly i agree i agree with that i think but again it will have to be a major splash in you know in free agency or trade right uh, right yeah. right which they don't have assets for that but you never know what happens uh, exactly cool uh any other closing thoughts no on to the nuggets oh, looking forward to, to looking forward to catching up again i'm assuming just as we have done with the cadence of connecting for a pod after every two games maybe we should catch up after game 2 yes that's what i'm thinking hopefully it's uh, 2 or at that time we'll see definitely hoping for that cool have a good weekend and we will connect again go suns go suns hey.